Welcome to Misinformational, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. And here we go. We are back. back. Again. Um, so thank you for joining us again for an episode of Misinformational. I am Rebecca Jones. I am one of your co-hosts and I am joined by the always lovely Dr. Sydney Danyai. How are you? Hello. Very jealous of your sweater, sweater weather where you are now. Definitely not sweater weather, sweater weather here in Southwest Florida, but... Yeah, it's very rarely ever sweater weather. So now you made me stumble over it, sweater weather um, down there. But it's going to be an especially warm winter up here, which is kind of disappointing because it's my first one back. <coughs> Sorry for the lingering RSV. I'll try to turn away from the microphone every time I have to cough and try really hard not to do it. So that's if you see me go. <coughs> see, that just <coughs> that made it worse. All right. So sweater eye. We are going to mostly focus on one thing today, although I do want to briefly touch on something else, but um, we're going to be talking about Elon and his month-long rampage of rapid disinformation and attacks on Jewish organizations and peoples. But first, I kind of wanted to point something out. So when I was sick, I was basically on the couch all the time watching all those Netflix documentaries. And I get, I totally get why people are making jokes about it because they really are that good and enticing. So I watched the Murdaugh one in like a day and um, I'm watching the one about this mom who, I, I don't know where it's going to go yet. I don't know the story. I didn't follow it, but I think she killed her kids and was involved with a cult or something or thought she was God or something like that. It's crazy. But um, I wanted to learn more about like these murders and, you know, look up the information and I noticed something that seems to be a uniquely American thing is that our media, mainstream news, but you know, to a larger extent, all of the online news does not publish uncensored images of dead people. Um, there are a lot of moral reasons for that. I, and I understand those arguments completely. Um, but I've, recently started to come around on my feelings about that. I used to agree with it. I used to say, there's no need for people to have that visual aid. Like, do you need to see Paul Murdoch's brain on the ground after it literally popped out of his head after his dad shot him? Like, do you need to see that? Uh, that's not going to change the story at all. And it, it might have a, I mean, saying it is such a disturbing thing that do you really need yeah. that visual aid? But after um one of the shootings earlier this year i started to kind of lean more towards i think we do maybe not necessarily in the paul murdoch case um because that was such an insanely graphic description but not seeing inside uh sandy hook or mm -hmm. all day or aurora or the texas walmart or parkland or columbine um, I think it's been serving as kind of a shield for people to not fully address the underlying issues of gun violence and more specifically right. the capacity for these specific types of guns, your AR 15 style guns 
to do damage to a human body because I kind of tested the waters trying to share this opinion. And I, if, if any of those parents ever told me it's, you don't have a fucking right, I'd say, okay, I'm sorry. But, um, and, uh, people seem to still think that when you're shot with an AR-15, it's just like a little tiny bullet hole, like in the movies from back in the day, or like with a normal rifle or a normal handgun. And I've known since reading the Sandy Hook report that that's not true. Um, right. Kids in Uvalde and Sandy Hook, and I imagine in Park Parkland, were dismembered by these guns. They left like tennis ball size holes in their bodies. And if you're a child and your arm is that big, you're gonna you know lose an arm. And um, I think America is not fully appreciating the gravity of it because they're not seeing it. And I was reminded of that because I was looking up these cases. I noticed all the pictures were blurry. And then there was the case of the alligator recently that um, had attacked and killed a homeless woman in Florida. And mm -hmm. you know, there's aerial image of the scene and it's all blurred out. You can't actually see anything because that's what we do in the American press. And the rest of the world doesn't do that. If you go to any like K website or Australia website, you can find for any event that happened there, Paris, the bombings, uncensored photographs and video of everything that happened. And perhaps that is why the UK banned guns after they had the um, Dunblane, I think it was called, elementary school shooting, which was very much like Sandy Hook and Uvalde. Um, why Australia did it after the Doc massacre it's because those pictures were run with the news and they're like, this is what this gun does to people, to children. And then right. within months they immediately banned all those weapons. And yeah. When us, we can still feel like it's a video game. Like it's, Oh, it's not real. And you know, Oh, it's, it's just the same as a handgun and it's really not. Um, and, and frankly, I, I agree with that on all levels. Um, Cause I would even like it on like the public safety level related to car crashes and stuff like that. Cause I don't think people fully recognize um, like how the physics of it all work as well. Um, and and we don't reserve that right to perpetrators. You can find the photos uncensored of the Columbine shooters. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the kids head is split wide open. Like his face is not even on his head. Um, you can find the uncensored uh, photos of one of the um, Boston Marathon bombers. Uh, he was actually killed by his brother who ran him over trying to escape. And you can, I saw it. You can find that if it's the perpetrator, but we seem to be trying to shield the victims, even though we're not full, we're seeing the full hatred of ourselves when we look at pictures like the Boston Marathon bombers injuries. I mean, the guy was like almost ripped in half and feel nothing because we know what he did. So how profound would that impact be of seeing the innocent children just dismembered and, and butchered in a pile in a classroom? That would be incredibly motivating for change I think and uh we don't do that and I think there are the good arguments why and it would be very difficult to tell any family member any parent that they're going to publish those photos for the whole world to see of their dead child but you also do have to balance that with this is an epidemic and if America doesn't deal with the reality of what it was you know, this, this is a public safety concern beyond just unfortunately what happened to you. 
um, well, and I think about it in terms of the impact that, you know, you know, Emmett Till's open casket funeral had as well. And that was a decision that his mother had made to show the world the brutality of it. Um, so it may not have been a, an easy decision to make, but the the impact that it had was profound. Yeah. And I think that we like doing it that way because it comforts us to know that we don't have to see it. Now, I was um, I was a double major with journalism um, through my undergrad at Syracuse, and we did take a media ethics class. And in that class, um, we watched the Daniel Pearl video. And if you're unfamiliar, Daniel Pearl was, was a journalist who was kidnapped, tortured, and beheaded. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is shockingly calm. And I think that was the thing that surprised me. It was the first time I'd ever seen a person die in my life, like seen it. And it's, it's not quick. There's not like a giant sword or a guillotine. And it's just like a saw that they're just doing this to. And it's the just depravity of the whole thing is what I think stuck with me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that video is out there for the whole world again, because it originated from a country that's not from the U S and yet his wife, who was pregnant when this happened, has basically pleaded for no one to share it. And so then you run into that situation, uh, which is one individual. I think that's a lot. And they're saying absolutely not. I think you should have more control over it. But when it's like a mass killing, especially if people within that group disagree, I think there's more gray area. Um mm-hmm. But I do, I, you know, there is power in seeing, seeing is believing. And if those were all over Twitter, the way that the couple of photos were after the mall shooting, which I did share after deciding not to, and then I decided that maybe people didn't need to see it. It was pretty horrific. And then Twitter decided to basically ban anybody who was sharing them. But you could see where a family was piled on top of each other yeah. behind a bush trying to hide in which there is a dead child whose brains are on the ground. And I think for me, that image, that was the first time I had seen bodily injury caused by one of those guns. And um, that will probably stick with me forever. And I think that people now know, especially the media knows, that if we were to show all of them, we would demand action. And they do much better covering these things. So, you know, they're like the uh, pharmaceutical industry. They want to give you uh, just enough of a cure to keep you sick and keep you coming back. I was going to say, it's probably, I, I wouldn't be unsurprised if there were major lobby groups that were involved in this. Obviously, the NRA and things like that would not necessarily want to have the graphic violence and outcome of the use of those weapons be, you know, freely shared. So uh, I think it's very, um, it ends up being a very complex issue, especially if there's kind of regulations and ethical standards already in place. Yeah. But that was just something I was thinking of watching all this true crime stuff and then the alligator video and everything else. And oh, one more thing. I was going to include the alligator video in part of this breakdown because it's not necessarily disinformation. But at first, people thought it was a man. Again, we couldn't see the photos. So who knows? You never know. Um, they found out it was a woman who was homeless um, or transient who had been previously warned about alligators in the area, but she didn't have anywhere to go. And um, was likely killed by this massive, I think it was 12 or 13 foot alligator that was 
seen swimming down the canal with her body. Um, we don't know how mutilated it was again, because can't see it. And uh, was then killed. The first thing I read once she had been identified was saying that she was a homeless criminal who had disobeyed orders not to stay away from the, the area. Obviously, people go in the area. She was found there by somebody who was in the area. You know, a uh, guy, right. I think it was just jogging. That to me was the most disgusting way you could have possibly represented a victim of a horrible uh, tragedy. If you don't know me, I've probably mentioned this at several times. I've got two actual fears. One is drowning. The other one is being eaten alive. So anything that happens in the water that can eat you, sharks, alligators, crocodiles, is my worst possible fear. So for me, this is like a nightmare situation. And she was identified as a criminal and not because she had a huge criminal record, but because she was warned to stay away and didn't. And that was such a disgusting. Victim blaming. Oh my God. I know. It's like, like she it, deserved it. It's like, have you seen alligators hunt? Like all there's plenty of TikTok videos you can find where you can't see anything like somebody drops and then boom, it's right there. They, right. they don't get that big from being stupid. They get that big from being smart when they hunt. And again, this is a person who had no home to go to. And to blame her was just, it was disgusting. <laughs> but that's my little segue. We're going to talk about Elon Musk now. Speaking um, of alligators who can snap and jump at you <laughs> out of he nowhere. Wished, he, it was a big majestic beach. Now they terrify me, but I... I do have deep and profound respect for the creatures that have been on this planet much longer than human beings. Unlike Elon Musk, who is an emerald mine apartheid baby, yes. who any semblance of respect that I had for him along the line has seriously disintegrated over the last three, four years. Yeah. And he's made it especially hard to track disinformation spread on Twitter when he turned off the, you know, tracking ability for millions of Americans who want to pay attention to that stuff. But mm -hmm. he himself provides just in his feed, a great example of what kinds of disinformation are being promoted out there and which ones you can expect to become more popular. Even if it's him just retweeting something from the Washington examiner and says, interesting, that's him promoting propaganda. And, um, if you want to get an idea for what's floating out there and especially what Russia wants you to think, you can just go to his feed. If it's not about SpaceX, then it's pretty much propaganda. So I put together. I was going to say, by the way, because he's an idiot. I mean, I want, I want to like, I want to put this out there because a lot of people who lionize Elon Musk, they go, Oh, he's a, he's a genius. He started all these companies. no, he hasn't started all these companies. He bought in on existing product and companies and more often than not screwed it up. Like SpaceX has to have a full-time staff to keep him from basically tanking their company the way that he tanked Twitter. Twitter didn't have the management staff and here we are. Um, you know, he's not a genius. He's a, a spoiled apartheid baby who's been able to go around the world and do all sorts of insane things like, you know, impregnate multiple women at the same time for some bizarre fantasy he has. And 
it's it doesn't mean that he's smart. And on top of this, and I'm sure you're going to get into it as we dump in dive into his crazy land of misinformation. He's incredibly, incredibly manipulated by his own emotional drive, uh, you know, coming out that a lot of his, you know, the anti trans stuff, anti LGBT stuff is coming out is related to his own personal feelings about his, his daughter. daughter. So this is not a person who is smart or rational. And I think that let's level set right there. Yeah, he's an inheritance baby who's never been held accountable for anything. And every time he's crashed something, he's just abandoned it and then moved on to the next thing or been kicked out like he was at PayPal. But he basically does all of the things of what we're calling like Gables 2.0. So Gables, I know some people will fight me about how I say that, but whatever. Uh, basically came up with what we call the principles of propaganda. Are you talking about Goebbels? Yeah, Goebbels. Goebbels? However you say Goebbels. Um, Which is fairly simple. I mean, when you get down to it. And the whole thing is basically about simplifying information that you want people to believe. Right. And this is because this doesn't work so much. Because you cannot control all of the information going in or coming out of the world a lot of this does not work a lot this whole propaganda plan is predicated on the ability to control the entire flow of information i mean they literally would execute people for listening to radio stations that were you know of the west during the nazi regime so this is the foundation and everybody talks about how gables was a genius and yes in his time he was but the same playbook can't be used now and especially in a new media landscape the Russians started to develop kind of an upgraded version of what Gables did back in like the 1970s, 80s with the Internet Research Agency. Their concern was more, though, of the modernization of print and news television, especially news television, and increasingly the Internet. But for the social media landscape, as effective as Russia is on some things, their approach to it isn't particularly smart, they just buy a lot of bots and troll accounts and then just flood the internet with disinformation. Right. But even then, Musk still follows some of the themes that were present in Nazi Germany. So the one of the most basic ones is stoking fear about immigration. That plays in every country all of the time. Um as well, yeah. basically xenophobic assholes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even if they aren't, it's goes under the larger guise of creating a common enemy, which is the number one like fascist playbook thing. And we've seen people like Ted Cruz and especially some of the other far right commentators use the word invasion increasingly. Uh, that word is very specific uh, and triggers a whole lot of bad imagery because, yes, the Nazis used it. They were referring to people as an invasion, also calling people parasites or saying there's an infestation. Uh, We've seen that being human beings coming to the border. Um, That terminology be used more and more, especially lately invasion has been the term that they've pushed out there so much. Yep. And to a larger extent, Elon, this is personal, but for what seeing the GOP landscape is as a whole, demonizing and dehumanizing LGBT people um, yep. and preparation for calls for their extinction, which Randy Fine, you know, of Florida did actually said he wanted to extinct them. Um, that is, again, under the guise of this 
common enemy thing where some people get it right and where people like DeSantis don't seem to be able to catch on is this idea of tangible versus intangible common enemies. So when you're talking about immigration, when you're talking about LGBT, you could say that is kind of like demonizing the other or otherness uh, as a concept, but it still comes down to actual real people. DeSantis, Mm -hmm. and this is why he's failed at this, in my opinion, decided to make wokeness his common enemy. The problem is, is that A, nobody can define actually what it is. I mean, not even them. They had to legally, but that still isn't quite obviously what they in their political speeches try to say it is. And there's no like person that is woke. There are people who are immigrants. There are people who are gay. There are people that are trans that can be targeted, that can be pointed at and say, this is your enemy. Wokeness is way too obscure. It's poorly defined and obscure and too broad. And so I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen like Trump, who was supportive of gay people, but very demonizing of trans people, have a lot more success with his whole, you know, common enemy thing than DeSantis, because he picks these weird things to go to war with that nobody's like, eh. And it's obviously not working for him because he's in fifth place in New Hampshire. Um, One of the next steps is to accuse legacy, mainstream media, whatever, of lying and being engaged in cover-ups. So Elon Musk loves to be conspiratorial about traditional media. So he Mm -hmm. famously started throttling the New York Times on his platform Mm -hmm. after they published some unfavorable things. They weren't even that bad, just not favorable to Elon. And uh, it helps if you have your own social media empire to be able to do this. But uh, he he actually... Bankrupted a company to buy your own. <laughs> yeah, to buy to buy the means of communication. But uh, yeah, so he started throttling New York Times. So your ability to access the page was slowed down. Um, mm-hmm. Sharing it, uh, basically, they created bugs to keep people from wanting to click on it. And I'm pretty sure that's what's happening to CNN right now too, because I've tried to click on several things that had the same experience as I did with New York Times before. And then, of course, once he was called out on it, he said he fixed it, and then it kind of gradually was reintroduced. He did this specifically with a story that um, I talked about on TikTok in which a police officer was killed in a hit and run. Um, Initially was ruled a bike accident because that was the information they had at the time. And a reporter from one of the Las Vegas, because this is where it happened, newspapers wrote, you know, an obituary about this ex police chief who was killed in a hit and run. And she spoke to his family and the kind of, you know, the community and how they were all mourning him. And that was the article she wrote right after he died. Well, then police got a hold of video that the people took while they killed him. And um, it was very much intentional. Uh, It was two teenagers. I think they were both 17 years old. One of them says, you should hit this guy. And the other guy's like, oh, you're ready. And they just plow right into him. It Mm. is cold-blooded murder. And this video was released recently. So then the, obviously the police arrested these two kids are being charged as adults, which given that video and the fact that they're 17, I don't have a problem with, but that's a personal opinion. Um, It probably has a lot to do with the fact that he is a former cop. So they're going to, you know, come down really hard on him. And Elon Musk started a conspiracy theory that the Las Vegas paper was covering up the murder because they had reported it as a bike accident when it first happened. 
even though none of that other information was known. And so the newspaper editor spoke out and was like, we're getting death threats. Like we've had to put our reporter who wrote this in like secure custody because people think that we were actively part of a conspiracy to cover up how a police officer was murdered because the police didn't tell anybody he was murdered. And it's, that is that kind of vicious direction of hate with false information well, I guess more misleading. It is true they wrote that article. And at the time, that was all the information that was known. So they did mm -hmm. it with the information they had. It is true that that was the headline, but they obviously updated their coverage. That's how I found out about it um, mm -hmm. as more information became available. But he made it seem like it was a cover-up and directed <laughs> his millions of followers to harass the newspaper. And it's still up. He doesn't delete any of his false things. It's like he doesn't give a shit. That was like two weeks ago, last week. It was extremely recently. The next thing is to um, create dependency. So if you position yourself as a free speech champion, um, you know, while of course engaging in information warfare, then you're convincing people- and suppression of information, by the way. Yeah. Um, convincing people that you're the only source of truth, the only source of the real story, they become dependent upon you. And right. people with egos like Elon Musk love that. They absolutely love that. And it's effective. I mean, it's what DeSantis does. You know, he talks about the free state of Florida when really they've had more restrictions passed on speech and books and everything else than any other state in the last 50 years. So mm -hmm. that is, you know, oh, we're the free speech champions while throttling the New York Times for publishing stories that they don't like. Um, while engaging in conspiratorial nonsense and also while complying with Germany's very strict standards for anti-hate speech in order to have Twitter available on that platform, they can't let Nazis on the platform. And Twitter is complying with all of their requests to remove any accounts or any information that violates their statute specifically about pro-Nazi sentiment. Hmm. And so, of course, he's just a hypocritical liar. And the next one is a more act of desperation, but it helps with the whole image of you as a savior thing, and that's to make yourself a victim. So right now, Elon Musk is pretending to be the victim, and this is something else that always seems to come in, of the Jews in the media. Like, you couldn't pick a more directly Nazi like sentiment than Jews in the media. But of course, that's what he's, he's con uh, alleging a vast conspiracy of attacking him. Um, mostly when at one point he blamed it entirely on the Anti-Defamation League, right. um, who he wants to sue now for calling his website, you know, full of Nazis, which it absolutely is. It's a statement of fact. And Elon Musk is never going to make it to discovery because that would look very, very bad for him. And of course, out of all the groups who have boycotted him, he only picked out and singled out the Jewish organization. And let's just be real here. Elon Musk has a very long, bad history when it comes to anti-Semitism. He's an anti-Semite. Um, just because he says, oh, I'm not an anti-Semite, that doesn't mean you're an not an anti-Semite. Your word does not negate your actions. You know, that's, right. that's what have you actually done? What have you actually said? I mean, that's like saying, I'm not racist, but... And then saying something really, really racist. It's like, like the first part of that sentence is irrelevant. The, the second part is what you actually said. Right. <laughs> but, and it comes with harmful tropes too. I mean, the Jews in the media is a big um, 
trope that is used by the far right all of the time, who are incidentally also very pro-Israel, which I've always wondered how they twist themselves into that, but whatever. Um, and while you're being victimized, of course, you have to attack the government or any organization or agency or institution that challenges you on your BS. And of course, now Elon Musk is attacking the DOJ um, for their hiring practices, which are illegal, which he's made himself to be a victim of in that as well. And we've covered this one some too, because DeSantis uses a lot of the same playbook, but mm -hmm. using seemingly legitimate outlets to promote propaganda has yeah. become in the digital age, one of the most effective means of getting people to buy it. So if you have like an official sounding new site, um, that website that you built, let's say the Washington Examiner or the National <laughs> Review or the Daily Mail or South Santa Rosa News, you know, it's, you just put news in it and some other kind of daily messenger thing and people will believe it's a real thing. And so when you share it, it looks like it's reputable. It sounds like a real newspaper or a real news outlet, you know, so, I mean, at least Breitbart never pretended and Breitbart doesn't sound anything remotely like a, a real news organization. Um, that helps promote it more. And you'll see Elon repeatedly use Washington Examiner. That's pretty much his favorite um, alt-right media outlet, but also the Daily Mail a lot, which we've talked about as being a primary source of disinformation in a whole lot of things. Um, and they are one of DeSantis's favorite outlets to plant bizarre stories about himself. And this playbook basically allows him to leverage power and resources to do whatever he wants. And a lot of that more recently has been interfering with or directing global policy and international affairs. This of course is the Starlink uh, fiasco. Yeah. Yeah. So Elon Musk absolutely did refuse um, a request from Ukraine to turn on Starlink so that they could basically stave off our Russian movement in an attack and they were not able to do that. And then men, women, and children died as a result from Russian bombing. And of course, Elon Musk has made himself to be the victim in this. He's lied repeatedly, been called out for lying repeatedly uh, about Starling's role in this. There were, for a period of a few days, a lot of calls, bipartisan calls, to have some kind of investigation or review of our policies involving privatization of intelligence resources, um, especially to people who are directly aiding adversaries of ours um, and have now caused harm to our allies. That kind of died down. And mm -hmm. that's not great. I think we should still kind of maybe explore this whole thing. I was going to say, let's roll back just a little bit on this because in the beginning of the conflict, this go around with R Russia and Ukraine, Elon Musk positioned himself as a hero for providing access to the Starlink system for internet throughout Ukraine, right? Yes. And then since then, it um, he has rolled back that access and this has become a problem when it comes to intelligence and basically being able to, to protect Ukrainian facilities and people from attacks from Russia. Yes. And it's nobody has ever questioned that Elon Musk has spread a lot of Russian propaganda 
his continued questioning of Ukraine's sovereignty. Um, so, uh, I can't talk today. Sovereignty. Yes, sovereignty. I said sovereignty <coughs> is is pretty out there. Um, but and this is one of the other things I want to discuss. It goes beyond just that. We know he's in debt in debt deep to Saudi Arabia, who are guess what are allies with Russia. Um, he was in Hungary recently and he started posting all those pictures of him with the Hungarian president and they're what they're calling their population collapse, which is um, a a loaded whole mess of beans to begin with. Uh And Hungary is an interesting choice because Mr. Beacon of free speech uh, going around and toting his allyship with Hungary of all places is in itself a contradiction. So Hungary recently passed what they called an anti-propaganda law, um, banning all content. And then that includes on the internet, you know, in books and media and television, everywhere, an absolute ban on anything that, and this is the quote, um, portrays or refers to a divergence from self-identity corresponding to sex at birth, sex change, or homosexuality. So Anti-LGBT stuff? Oh, my. Don't say gay in a, a complete media ban. So what Ron DeSantis is doing with schools and books for the entire country. And he's, of course, going over there talking about how they're bastions for free speech, blah, 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 while the country has literally made it a crime to talk about being gay. And that wasn't the only thing they've done recently that has kind of been hair raising. The um, parliament passed a law that made it, and this is this will remind you a whole lot of uh, Nazi Germany, that allowed people to anonymously report other people whose lifestyles, this is another quote, constitutionally challenged the constitutionally recognized role of marriage in the family. And those who contest children's rights to an identity appropriate to their sex at birth or homosexuality. So if you're a gay couple who has a kid, anybody can call CPS and the police on you and you can go to jail. If you're a even straight couple or any type of parent situation in which your child is gay, they can take that child away from you and send them to one of their very well-known conversion camps. And Hungary has a very dark history of conversion camps as well in the last decade or so. And if you're not, I mean, it's Hungary is kind of a weird country to keep current on. And it's not really what we think of as Western Europe. Mm -hmm. They, for the last decade, have been quickly sliding into extreme fascism and far Mm -hmm. ideology, including a lot of Nazi sympathetic um, ideals. And that's mostly because of one individual that has been prominently featured on Fox News. His name is Viktor Orban. Orban. Uh, Sorry, Erdogan is the uh, Turkey. Yeah. Um, He's currently the prime minister there and is one of the principal sources of pro-Russian disinformation on Fox News. He is featured there all the time. Uh, He does stuff with Tucker Carlson. He is clearly a right-wing baby. And... uh, he has well, been listen, CPAC went to Hungary. 
that's what I was about to bring up. Okay. Why are we talking about Hungary? Well, because Elon Musk enters into this arena, which is very strange. But then you think about their very hardcore anti-trans things. And yes, for Elon Musk, his whole anti-trans plight is personal. His daughter is trans. And she has disowned him. I mean, so much so that she changed her last name from Musk to her mother's last name. And he blames the schools for indoctrinating and turning him against her, right. blames the media for demonizing rich people and, and making her hate her. The fact is, is that she, he's a bad person and his daughter is willing to say it. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like the whole Kellyanne Conway family situation there. Like the daughter is just ripping apart her mom all the time for these, this shit. Um, that's pretty much what it is. But he's made it a, like a personal vendetta to take right. down anybody who talks about being trans or being accepting of trans people. And I think that's why he was originally gravitating towards DeSantis because DeSantis of course is the Dulce gay governor and, um, but saw him flop and now nobody's interested in DeSantis. So he's going to Vivek or whoever is next. But, um, so that, that is cake, like cake. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why he's willing to go there and do all these public tours with them is because they align with him on the trans thing. Because there's plenty uh -huh. of, you know, Russian, pro-Russian sentiment in Western countries that he doesn't personally go and, you know, go champion for their country and everything. But Hungary is interesting because of what you mentioned earlier this year, CPAC, which is the Conservative Political Action Conference hosted by the American Conservative Union. So this is an American USA political action group held their annual meeting, which has only ever been in the United States, in right. Hungary earlier right. this year. And a lot of people were like, what the fuck? Why would they go to Hungary? Well, it's because that's our, that is American conservatives' way of siding with Russia without being associated directly with siding with Russia, because that's a big, basically what it is. And um, they, of course, had some of the most outrageous people possible. They had the son of ousted Brazilian dictator Bolsonaro, uh, who famously came to Florida and was welcomed with a big hug from DeSantis. Um, a lot of your key media propagandists like Candace Owen and Jack Posebic, or however the fuck you say his name. Um, and then one person from Hungary that was really interesting was Solt Bayer. Now he's like the Tucker Carlson of Hungary. Mm. So he's like the head of this very popular news agency in Hungary. He's known for being incendiary and bombastic. And he also said that Jews were, quote, uh, stinking excrement, referred mm. to Roma as animals, and uh, has used quite a few racial epithets for Black people and lots of other people. So mm. if Tucker Carlson wasn't afraid of being called a racist, um, he would be Hungary's Tucker Carlson. And those names pretty much create this Venn diagram of since Twitter's not allowing you to do easy research on how disinformation is spreading, you can pretty much just look at these five profiles now. Uh, if you want to get a direct line to whatever it is that Russia wants Americans to know, you go to that journalist's Twitter page. If you want to keep up with the pro-Trump side of craziness, you can go to Candace Owens. If you want to go to the last, you know, 
bit of human excrement you could ever have that seems to be able to walk and talk at the same time. You go to Jack Posobiec. And of course, he comes from three of the most prominent propaganda websites and organizations in America, Human Events, which is a pro-DeSantis far-right blog that Christina Pushaw once used to publish a defamatory article about me that no one read, um, Turning Point USA, which Charlie mm. Kirk, weirdo closeted people, and OANN, which is One American News Network. Um, he was a QAnon Pizzagate person, which of course led to actual real violence in an armed hostage situation in DC and was actually dubbed the uh, king of fake news. So, and he's, he's interesting because I can't quite tell if he's a Trump or a DeSantis person, or maybe he thought about being a DeSantis person and then saw DeSantis crash and burn. And was like, eh, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but if you just go to those five people, you can pretty much see everything that Russia wants you to know. And if it's reached the point of Elon Musk, that means that it's been simmering for a while and it's mm -hmm. reached. And uh, that's pretty telling that if you go to the, <laughs> the Twitter feed of the owner, um, this South African apartheid, you know, rare emerald baby, as you mentioned. Emerald mine baby. Emerald mine baby. Um, you can pretty much get all of the worst propaganda just by scrolling through his feed. And that's, right. that's the point we've reached. Now, when we were talking about Gables earlier, a lot of this stuff Gables, um, doesn't work anymore because it, again, it's all predicated on complete, absolute control of information. And it's a good thing that they can't do that because otherwise we might be in a lot of trouble because it only like half works at what they're doing right now. But well, I, was gonna say, I was gonna say, this reminds me though of, um, uh, did you read the book Strongman by Ruth Ben Gatt? Uh, was so, the one from Mussolini to present? Right. Yeah. So, so her, her contention is, you know, here is the, the strongman's playbook, the fascist playbook, essentially. And the, the, the steps are the same, right? It's the tools that have changed too, right? So that they're modernized. So yeah, instead of Google's using, you know, the, the film, right? It's, you know, shorts on YouTube or whatever. Um, so some of the parameters have changed, but a lot of those techniques are still uh, alive and well and, and flourishing in the digital age. All, most of them are, but there is, and I think more than just the fundamental control of information, there is something else that Gables employed that today's right does not. And I think this is why they're not nearly as successful. I think this is why DeSantis fails every single time is because despite, yes, being part of Nazi Germany, Gables was committed to using propaganda that was true. Truthness actually played a big role in what they did because they believed, and you can see this play out with, especially with DeSantis, that if you lied and even if they controlled as much media as they could, they knew that there were some people who were still disseminating information from the West, you would lose all credibility when you were caught. And so even though, of course, they had their own version of truth, but he was very much a believer in that we should really push the things that are true. And he, he looked at this more from like a war effort, like what the conditions are on the front line. Don't give people false hope, because then if you disappoint them, they don't believe you anymore. You know, 
don't yeah. lie and say that, you know, something happened if it didn't happen, because then you look like a liar and you lose all credibility. And that right. being called a liar was possibly one of the worst things that could happen to your credibility. Right. The right today does not adhere to that whatsoever. They just make up whatever the fuck they want and get caught on it all the fucking time. Now, they don't necessarily care. Um, DeSantis is, might actually be the biggest example of this because of all of the different types of things that he's lied about. Trump's kind of like two big things. Um, this one big lie that he just lies all the time and then yeah, doubles. Oh, and there's a big like I mean, double down on that, triple down. Yeah. But DeSantis is like, you had COVID in me. You know, you had um, all of his promises that he didn't keep to the people of Parkland and Pulse. You had the school book banning propaganda video in which he claimed that no books were being banned, even though Florida is re currently represents 40% of all the books that have been banned in the entire country. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got the vaccine lies. You've got, he does it so much with so thing, many things that are so easily disproven and gets caught. I mean, yeah. he got caught with me. He got caught with the vaccine, um, altering the report with the Surgeon General. Didn't seem to care. Just kept plugging away at it. Um, right. They do not even attempt to make truth the center of their propaganda. Because right. even if you cherry pick truth, the fact that some of it is true carries something much further. We have discussed that a little bit more. Um, right. But... The reason why those alternative news websites work so well, because it allows them to establish their version of truth as fact. So when you say you recruit what we would call an advocate within a news agency, I have some. Uh, it's a PR strategy in which you work closely with reporters at every major news agency to convince them to be on your side and then color their coverage of you. And DeSantis had Mark Caputo who was fired from the Miami Herald and then Politico. And because he couldn't let go of his obsession with me, fired from MSNBC. Um, he fabricated the whole story about my whistleblower complaint being dismissed uh, when the IG report came out. Conveniently, two weeks before the uh, Auditor General's report came out saying they undercounted deaths by thousands while I was there. And um, which was actually another one of Gable's biggest principles. Whoever's first is right. It took me years yeah. to figure that out. Years of this cycle of why is everyone piling on me right now with all this bullshit? Two weeks later, I get whistleblower protection. Two weeks later, you know, the audit or general report comes out. I'll just, that's how they do it. They poison the story. They preempt it. Um, but yeah, so they, by using those people, they can try to establish their lies as truth, but they still always end up getting called out. And I think that is the big disconnect between what Gables did aside from, you know, the tools to what they're doing now. And I think, thank God for that, <laughs> because uh, they would be highly effective if they did. But then again, they would have to do things that were true and honest in order to do that. And of course, wartime propaganda isn't the same as like cultural propaganda or news propaganda or anything else. It's a very specific type of um information flow, flow, information warfare is what they called it, but truth actually really, as they saw it, mattered in their propaganda. They never wanted to be discredited by being caught lying, um, especially where it came to their military actions. And that really struck me when I was reading it over today because it's uh, it was so important. 
You're like, wow, Ron DeSantis is a bigger piece of shit than Joseph Goebbels. Yeah, well, he actually wrote in his diary, it was one of the few things we didn't destroy from the Nazis. We really shouldn't have destroyed anything. We should have kept all of it so we could study it. But, you know, people, pillar, plunge, whatever. The only time that lies were considered acceptable is when they could not be disproven. So if you make something up that's impossible to disprove, which you could say all of religion kind of falls into that category, then if you can't disprove it, then it's a truth. And again, that that's a distinction that the far right doesn't really make well today because pretty much everything they say is disproven pretty quickly. Um, Obama Gables, there was one particular thing I was reading from his diary or his translated diary today. There was a term that he used. Ah, I know what it was. He was actually pissed they didn't use it. Um, when political unrest in England that they were stoking uh, was kind of increasing, he used a, a word in German, which I, I'm not going to even attempt to butcher, even though I'm supposed to know how to speak it. Schleichenkreis, which means creepy Christ creeping crisis and that feels eerily similar to DeSantis's newest favorite buzz term which is American decline the great American decline and we all know that Christina Pusha was trained in with Russian assets like uh, the other Mark Caputo who's a Russian asset um K instead of a C and uh Roger Stone straight from mm -hmm. the Russia she was in Eastern Europe. That's where apparently she was radicalized and worked with uh, Mikhail Shakovsky, who is the imprisoned war criminal, uh, former president of Ukraine. She was his uh, propagandist. That was her only job before getting a job with DeSantis, which also has a whole lot of implications in and of itself. Um, yeah, it does. A registered foreign agent, which she registered belatedly after the DOJ was like, um, I believe you are failing to register. She's like, oh, my bad. Anyways, um, so she is a huge disciple of Gables and especially of the Internet Research Agency. And I was going through some of the terms that he specifically floated and more and more of them sound similar to the things that DeSantis specifically is trying to use. Now, nobody's really picking up on American decline. He keeps tweeting it. He keeps he said it like 16 times in the first debate. It just kind of didn't hit. And it sounded like he was forcing that term into it. But people basically said nobody wants to hear the word woke anymore. And if they do, Republicans are going to start strangling you. So he had to come up with something. And this one was plucked almost exactly out of Gables's book. And I'm going to go through some of the other ones once I can find decent translations, because I feel like there's more. But on the last note of that, I thought since I brought up Pusha, I would add, I got a summons recently now this is my old address so i don't really care that much if anybody sees it besides it's still on the fox news website um to christina pushaw's trial on october 5th because in 2021 i applied for and was granted and then extended twice a restraining order against christina pushaw for stalking and harassing and doxing me and she violated said order many many times within days of getting it um, the state decided to criminally charge her with violating it. Uh, but after speaking to the prosecutor, they told me that because she had not been legally served yet, she could claim, you know, within reason 
that she didn't think it was a real restraining order. She had no proof that it actually existed. You know, she had no knowledge it existed. She could have thought I was making it up, blah, 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 blah. And that's why she said stuff as specific as this restraining order is frivolous and I don't plan to comply. I mean, that was like the fucking tweet, but whatever. So they decided to dismiss it. Well, I have to go on October 5th at 9 a.m. to room number 301 for her for a trial and hearing date on this case because she is seeking to have a shield hearing, which means she wants this, the criminal record and the restraining order hidden from the public forever. And so it won't come up on a background check. And because right now she, yeah, if you go to her background check, she will pop up as having a restraining order and being charged with violating it. And um, as she loves to point out all of the time, having a restraining order for something like stalking or harassment can go with you everywhere forever. And um, let's just say I plan to object to hiding this from the public, seeing as she has shown no remorse, continued to engage in a pattern of harassment, stalking, doxing, and the works. Um, also, a few months after that, was suspended from Twitter for threatening journalists um, got all those articles, everything printed out. We're going to be like, no, um, we, we object to the shield hearing. She, if she had shown any remorse, apologized or, you know, ceased harassing activity maybe, but her behavior has exhibited a power, a pattern of abuse, um, yeah. especially, you know, that we feel like this should be on her permanent record. Oh my gosh. So, um, this will be fun. I get to go back to court two and a half years later, almost exactly, with Christina Pushaw over a restraining order that, you know, filed two and a half years ago. And again, was granted and then had two separate court hearings at both of which were um, extended by the judge on the third and final hearing. I did not understand the evidentiary procedures for introducing evidence. And so none of the evidence I had counted because I didn't do the simple thing of walking over. Do you recognize this? And I want to admit it. I just was kind of like handing the judge things. And she's like, I can't admit this. And I'm like, can you tell me how to do it? She's like, I don't know if I can. And Christina Pusha basically tried to position herself as a journalist who wrote an unfavorable news story about me when really it was an opinion piece in human events. So yeah, that whole lie is going to come up in court as well because we're we're going to be talking about that too. So wow, wow. Yeah. So that's going to be out of the fucking blue. I get this letter like two days ago, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I actually had to ask, like, I emailed my lawyer. I was like, "Can you please tell me what what the hell this is about?" And he was like, "Oh, it looks like she's trying to hide that from public records." Technically, she's not even able to or not supposed to be able to apply to have it hidden until three years after. So maybe I can get her on the technicality, at least for the next six months. But um, yeah. What a bunch of shady characters in the DeSantis crew. Yeah, it's fun stuff. But um, yeah, so I wrote up a post that has all the links to the, all of the Elon Musk things that I referenced. There are actually, it's about 20 of his specific tweets just within this month that concern those, the main kind of issues of it fears about immigration, usually about lying or misrepresenting statistics. Uh, one of the things that you've seen a lot is lately on Twitter is people using border interactions as illegal immigrant crossings. 
So every like interaction that there is at the border by border patrol agents gets like logged. So even if they're called oh. out somewhere because they think that they saw lights or something like that, that's going to get logged. Um, that does not mean that those people have crossed into the United States and are now here. Uh, so that's one way of misrepresenting those statistics, the LGBT and especially the trans disinformation, the legacy and transitional media cover-ups, free speech champion while engaging in information warfare, making himself the victim of a vast conspiracy of Jewish people in the media, attacking the government, all of that's in it. Um, so we'll publish that with this post. And next week, I'm hoping to kind of delve a little bit more into the departure of the Gables. Um, Gables. So my Southern accent is going to always say Gables. I don't even, you know, whatever. Um, like I said, take one semester in German. <laughs> and I will say everybody ripped on me for saying Oppenheimer, but it's literally one of the first parts of the movie. Like Robert Downey Jr. is like, is it Oppenheimer or Oppenheimer? And the guy's like, who cares? I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, I was getting ripped apart for saying I was going to go see Oppenheimer. And it's one of the first lines in the movie. He's like, which is he? He's like, I don't care. Just whichever one you want. Uh, he had some kind of smart ass remark to it. And I was like, see, see. But um, yeah, and I don't mean to like glorify Gables. And I think this is important too. What he did was brilliant. You can recognize that somebody was very smart and good at what they did and also know that they used it for evil. But um, I see the pitfalls in what's happening now and some of the improvements with the methodology here. And I'll get into that next week because I'm planning this big long write up to go with it. And I hope you guys will come back and listen to us and we'll talk more about propaganda in the internet and social media age. Oh my gosh. The disinformation nation. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for giving us this very fascinating, interesting look at the comparison between the Joseph Gobos and Elon Musk this week. Um, if you enjoyed this, we would love to have you subscribe for $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. You can help us produce this show. You can check that out on our plans and pricing page at Big Mouth Media, bigmouthmediafl.com, or you can even get a subscription to everything we have for the low, low price of $19.99. Help us keep independent media alive so we can keep telling you the information that is out there because the landscape keeps getting darker when it comes to truth and information. So thank you so much, Rebecca Jones, for joining us here on Misinformational from Big Mouth Media. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining Misinformational with Rebecca Jones, brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.